Okay, so you're a leader. <laughs> Congratulations. So now what do you do? Well, the answer may surprise you. Welcome to the Pastor's Leadership Podcast. You're listening to the Pastor's Leadership Podcast, where ministry leaders of all ages gather to listen to relevant conversations about leadership and effective ministry. Here's your host, Les Hughes. I started PLN to help pastors encourage one another, sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron, and speak into and encourage each other. We, we want to help each other grow in their leadership so that we can be the most effective servant leader that we can possibly be in the, um, in the church that the Lord has placed us in. That's our assignment. So what I'd like to do is really take a look at this idea of leadership, and that's what this podcast is really designed to do. I want to take this episode and just unpack that a little bit and talk to you about what it really means to be um, any, a, a leader, a servant leader from a biblical perspective. I want to do that because this is really what I'm referring to as a tale of two CEOs. So before we get into some biblical principles, guys, let me share with you the, a story, really an account of two CEOs. These, um, these are real-life individuals, okay? So these, these are not hypotheticals. They're not hybrids of people that I've known. These are two specific leaders of their organizations, some chief executive authors in very different organizations. Um. They both have boards of directors that they're accountable to, uh, investors that they're accountable to, a sales force, all of that. So in many ways, the companies look similar. But I assure you, the DNA of these different CEOs couldn't be more opposite from one another. So I want to share with you a little bit about them and then let you know why. All right. You know, some of some of um, the way the leader of an organization, let's use CEO since I'm talking about CEOs first, a lot of their effectiveness can be manifested or seen in this way. It's all about how they look in the mirror and how they look out a window. In other words, the kind of leader that I'm talking about that I really want to inspire you guys to be is to be the kind of selfless leader who, when there's when there's something wrong, when we uh, when we don't reach the goals that when we don't have the results that we felt like a task or a project was going to have, I, I hesitate to use the word failure because as long as we're learning something and as long as we're growing, I hesitate to say that that was a failure. I think it's only a failure if we really if we waste that experience and don't learn from it and don't gain some wisdom from it. So when a when a when a when a godly leader fails or or makes a mistake or the organization doesn't reach the goals a, a godly leader a selfless leader and a servant leader looks in the mirror and when the organization is successful or we're successful, we achieve those goals and we, we, we advance, we're successful in advancing the kingdom and equipping disciples and all of that, then you don't look in the mirror. What you do is you look out the window. And you, in other words, when there are mistakes 
made, we should, as the leader of an organization, we we appropriately own those mistakes. We don't blame other people. We don't throw them under the bus, right? And when there is success, rather than take the blame, we affirm and we encourage and we we're thankful for other people. That's what I mean by we look out the window. So when there's blame, we want to look in the mirror. And when there's credit to be had, we look out the window to encourage others. So I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes about this tale of two CEOs and how they viewed that mirror experience or the window experience. The first CEO I knew personally and he is very driven individuals. Both of these individuals are. Both of these individuals have been very, very successful. They have people that follow them. Uh, they have people who trust them. But their, their MO is, is very, very different. So the first CEO, you know, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not certainly not a psychiatrist. I don't know all the technical or clinical terms, but let's just say that this first CEO that I'm thinking about checks all checks many of the boxes off that a narcissist would have. So he has very narcissistic narcissistic tendencies. What I mean by that is he it's, he seemed to never take any part or share in the blame when something went wrong. He was usually blaming other people when mistakes were made or goals weren't achieved. There was it, think a, a person's work seemed to never be enough. He pitted people against one another rather than fostering a sense of camaraderie or 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 a team. You know, working together to to reach a goal, but always there was a sense of competition and not a not a healthy competition, almost a toxic competition, a lot of backbiting in the organization that he led by example in that area. So because he tended to uh, practice that, others did as well. A lot of turnover in the organization, not very much transparency. Um, what else can I say? I'm just, you know, trying to trying to be honest without using a hyperbole. The, this is just the way that it was. And uh, so I, I, but he, some people would say that this man was very effective because of the bottom line. So the company was growing, sales were increasing. It was very, very tooth and nail inside the organization. But uh, in the short term, at least, they did get results. But I would often shake my head because this person professed to be a Christian, a follower of Christ. Yet, if if someone were around him from day to day. To, to see, there were just from, from, again, this is my vantage point, admittedly so, and I'm not objective, okay? But from my vantage point, I just couldn't see much of the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the spirit demonstrated. So I couldn't see very much selfless love there, very little joy, if any, certainly no patience. Um, some self-control, but again, um, it was self, it was many, many ways self-serving. So I'm just saying, but he but he professed to be a brother in Christ, but it was just a very cutthroat environment. And I didn't notice it as much until I met the second CEO. I didn't know this man at all. I, I know him better since. The first impression that I received from this gentleman was 
uh, as it turned out, uh, my impression of him didn't change. If anything, he was uh, he was more endeared to me the the more I got to know him. So the second CEO, from the moment he walked into a boardroom when I met him, he seemed to be more empathetic, uh, very empathetic toward other people, affirming to other people, asking questions about other people. He spoke very very little about himself. Now he had been highly successful in several businesses. He had taken businesses from uh, private to public. He had, uh, could have retired. He just and he came back out of retirement to really serve a different company that he cared dearly about. And he would call people way down the food chain on when they would accomplish, really in the big scheme of things, not a huge goal, but he would congratulate them and thank them. He would call people on special occasions such as their birthdays, make it a point to personally call them and congratulate them on achievements that they would have when it, when it was absolutely not expected. But from that, I'll make a long story short, I'll share it like this. From the moment that I met the second CEO, I just shook my head and I thought, oh boy, what could be? If that, if that other individual He's got he's he was so smart, had so much to offer, but just so many blind spots and and lacked the self-awareness that the second CEO did. Now, here's the interesting thing. I'll be real careful about any sorts of judgments or assessments I make. I'm just sharing with you what my perception was as I as I looked on these two individuals. Both of them professed to be followers of Christ. Okay. They may both be. But if I wasn't a follower of Jesus and I was around these individuals for very long and the the subject of faith came up, okay, or Christianity came up and they began to share me their version of it, I'll even go so far as to say this. As far as my personal theology was concerned, it probably lined up more with the first individual that I mentioned rather than the second. But if I didn't have a faith, okay, if I were observing, if I were seeking, if I were somebody who didn't know Jesus, and we, and those conversations started with those individuals, and I knew of the first individual, my response would be, whatever that individual has, I don't want it. I'm just telling you guys, that's that's the way I would have felt if I would have been around that second individual and saw his servant spirit and his servant heart, I would have said, okay, I want to hear more about what drives that guy. This podcast is brought to you by Pastors Leadership Network, where leaders meet together to sharpen iron and help each other grow closer to the Lord while also growing their ministries. To learn more about PLN Mastermind Groups and how you can join, be sure to visit pastorsleadershipnetwork.com. So I want to talk to you about servant leadership. And I want to take you especially to a passage of Scripture that is from Mark chapter 10. And to summarize what's going on, Jesus is beginning to tell his disciples, those that are closest to him, what's down the road, how 
he's going to be delivered into the hands of the the uh, religious leaders and the, the chief priests and the scribes, that they're going to condemn him to death. They're going to hand him over to their adversaries, that he'd be mocked and spat upon and, and scourged. But then he, he would also and he'd be put to death, but he'd also rise again. And just as if some of these disciples had not heard a word that Jesus said, in particular, James and John said, Jesus, we, we want you to, to do for us what we ask you. And Jesus said, well, what do you want? And so they said, well, we want one of us to sit on your right side, that is the place of authority, the preferred privileged place, and one on the left in your glory. Jesus basically said to them, look, you don't know what you do, do not know what you're talking about. He said, you don't even know what you're asking. Are you able to, to drink the cup that I drink? You got to be baptized in the baptism uh, that I'm going to be baptized in. They both, of course, said that they could. Now, little did they know that they actually would be, but they didn't really know what they were asking, um, certainly at this point. Here's something that's interesting, guys, about, about leadership. And I don't know of a pastor anywhere who doesn't want to become a more Christ-like leader, a better leader, a more effective leader. So the term leader actually, it, or the equivalent to it, is not mentioned many times in Scripture. Okay? So Old Testament or New Testament, it's mentioned in some contexts a few times, but only about, actually about six, the word leader or the equivalent, okay, as you and I think of it. Only about six times in the entire Bible. Now, there are some great leaders in Scripture, Old Testament and New. I mean, you got people like Moses in the Old Testament, David in the Old Testament, unbelievable leaders these guys were. But you know, when when God is speaking of Moses, he doesn't say, I want you to consider Moses my leader. Or after he even dies, he doesn't say, Moses, my leader is dead. God says, Moses, my servant. He calls him servant. Interesting, right? When David is described, David, uh, the greatest king in all of Israel, Okay, and in all of their history, King David, when the book of Acts, when Luke describes him in the book of Acts, it's Acts 13, 36, he says that David, he didn't talk about David leading. He says that David served God's purpose in his generation, and then he fell asleep. In other words, then he died. Even Jesus, I mean, there is no greater leader in all history than the Lord Jesus, but even he said that he didn't come to be served. In fact, in this same passage, just a little while in verse 45, he says, he didn't come to be served, but to serve. And he gave his life as a ransom for many. Isn't that interesting? Jesus taught that the kingdom of God is this community where people don't lord it over one another, but where we serve one another. And it's ironic that Jesus' disciples, right in the context of this discussion, at least some of them, they start talking about these positions of authority. So here's what we can make of all that. I just want to give you a few thoughts. And that's really what I want this to be a springboard for um, the purpose of this podcast. So I hope you'll continue to join me as we talk about how to become more Christ-like leaders, and the impact that that'll have on our churches and, and on our families and the people that we lead. So think about it for a second. These disciples, 
they really wanted a crown. But what Jesus is teaching them is you want a crown, but you don't want the cross that goes along with it. So here are a couple of things that I just want to share with you about what there are two realities that have to do with kind of the kind of leader that Jesus wants us to be. All right. The first reality is that it's God who gives leaders their assignments. So there may be some positions or some assignments that we really want, but he's the one who determines that, right? Jesus told his disciples, hey, you, you did not choose me, but I chose you. He said, and appointed you. That's in John 15, 16. So one of the things about the kind of leaders that honor the Lord by their leadership is they understand our assignment comes from God. A second reality is that Christian leaders, ultimately, um, our reward is not of this world. The reward is great, but it's greater than anything this world could offer. Now think about these two that are having this conversation with Jesus. James these and John, sons of Zebedee, sons of thunder, right? Well, eventually James is executed, and John, as an older gentleman, was exiled to the island of Patmos. There he was in isolation. Hmm. Isolation. You know, one of the main reasons that I started Pastors Leadership Network and began getting together pastors in mastermind groups and support supportive groups, groups for one another is that Often, Christian leadership, especially the role of pastor, can be a place where we can find ourselves isolated if we're not careful, because leaders are often misunderstood. They're people of vision. There's, there's a reason that they're out, out front and encouraging people to follow them, but it can, it can be, if you're not careful, a place that can feel isolated. And that brings us to the quote of the week. So the quote of the week is from actually a, a British field marshal, um, Bernard Montgomery, World War II British field marshal. And he said, leadership is the capacity and will to rally men and women to a common purpose and the character which inspires confidence. See, real servant leadership, the kind that we're talking about, it doesn't come with a position. It doesn't come because we have the name senior pastor or lead pastor on our business card or on our on the staff page of our website it comes because of relationship it comes because first of all god called us to that place and and then also we've we've earned the right to be heard we've earned the right to lead by our calling and by our faithfulness so we're not talking just about any kind of leadership here right we're talking about christian leadership we're talking about servant leadership. And that kind of leadership is is just different than natural leadership or a leadership of a, of a worldly position. Because that kind of leadership, it blends our natural, those natural qualities with the supernatural qualities or, or spiritual qualities. Because, And the ultimate purpose is not a human agenda. We serve, just like David, we serve God in, his gen, in this generation. So we serve him and, and we serve him for his glory, you know. And then we're also, thankfully, empowered 
by the Holy Spirit, not by our own skills or creativity or education or experience. So keep this in mind, if you would. The Christian leader, it were only as, as effective as the Holy Spirit empowers us and flows through us. And here's an important lesson also to keep in mind. We can only lead others where we ourselves have been. So we've talked, I want to leave you with just a question, all right? And the question is, having said all of that, here's the question. So are are great leaders born or are they made? Well, we'll get into more of that on our next time together. But I want to leave you just with a, a summary, if I could, all right? Remember that we're talking about serving, not lording it over others. Um, we're saying that the kingdom of God was a community where Jesus taught us that we're to serve one another. When he, when he led, even when he said, I want you to do as I do. Remember, he was doing things like washing the disciples' feet, serving them. He said, I want you to do the same thing. And then we also said that, that God, it's God that gives us our assignments. We don't just sit down and choose them, but he appoints us. And that ultimately our reward is not in this world, but is in God's kingdom to come. Hey, that'll wrap up our time together for this episode of uh, the Pastor's Leadership Podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and listen, guys. I I hope you'll pass the word and that you'll even uh, go on your favorite delivery system and subscribe to these podcasts. Please pass the word. Help help us get the word out that this is a place for uh, pastors to come to improve their impact and their leadership as well. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening in today. Don't forget to leave us a review in iTunes and to visit the show notes for all links and resources mentioned in this episode. For even more resources, visit leshughes.com.